so much for joining from the kitchen floor. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm lovely. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited that we have a special guest today. Uh, this is the first time that we have been joined by uh, a professional who uh, can speak with lots of authority on uh, the topic near and dearest to our hearts. And um, let's just remind our listeners uh, what this podcast is about, if you will. So the name of the podcast is From the Kitchen Floor, and it is essentially uh, an avenue that we've been using to discuss mental health, but also the variety of topics that surround it. We want to attract an audience that wants to learn about mental health, that wants to find ways to heal from it, and also ways to share our stories out there in the public. So with that, I will start the introduction of Dr. Siri, uh, who is a licensed marriage family therapist who received his BA in psychology from Carlson College in Northfield, Minnesota, his MA in clinical psychology from Antioch University in Los Angeles, and his PhD in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute in Carpinteria, California. The title of his dissertation was The Phenomenological Study of African-American Men Raised Without Their Biological Fathers. He has an incredible bio here. And rather than get into the mishmash of that, I'm more curious, Dr. Siri, in welcoming you to this conversation and asking you, how do you like to be introduced? Like, how would you even introduce yourself into this environment? Well, I I hate to sound woo-woo at all, but I consider myself a healer and I got licensed to legitimize myself. Yet I'm referred to as a therapist because I am licensed and I have studied you know, all of the theories and the interventions, and I'm clinically appropriate and ethical and legal. Yet, before I entered the clinical arena, I was a yogi for 20 years. So that's what really distinguishes me and augments my practice is my spiritual bent orientation that others see in mediums that I have been televised. And so I'm really a combination of those two. It's so interesting, I, at our camp organization, which is the legal organization for licensed marriage family therapists in California, once I was the guest speaker there, and my lecture was the licensed therapist, the intended spiritual teacher of the West. Hmm. That's where I really sit. And uh, I had only been licensed that time about five or six years. And there were people there who had been licensed for 20 years asking for CDs and and uh, a copy of the lecture because I came from a, a really a synthesis of the East and the West, you know, yet was very clinical, ethical, legal. And I've been able to mesh those two arenas to where uh, people have become very uh, positively impacted by it. I love it. Why do you say you hate to sound woo-woo? I love a good little woo-woo in the room. Oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's uh, because I want to be taken seriously, you know. And uh, so if you get, it's so interesting that a friend of mine just, um, it's going to be on uh, her Instagram. To make a long story short, she, uh, I'm her friend. And uh, I called her up unconsciously one day. And I was just very 
elevated over here and I was just had been meditating. I was eating well and I was reflecting. I was writing and I was just having a good day in the midst of this horrible uh, virus outside of us that's impacting people so negatively. But I was inside of my house for being very reflective. And so I just started talking. And little do I know that she was going through a great crisis and unconsciously some guidance came through me that was very integral to her healing. And I didn't know that she had a big tumor on her neck. She hadn't told anyone. And I told this story unconsciously about this man meditating and how he knew it was in his destiny that day to die. And he started running. He says, I will outrun death. I will just run and run and run and death will not be able to catch me. And so he got tired, of course. He says, I know what to do. And so he got a vote. He says, I'm going to sit in the middle of the ocean and to the day ends and I would have conquered death. So he got this vote and he sat in the middle of the ocean and he waited there until the day ended. And there was a basket in the boat and out of the basket crawled this poisonous snake and it bit him and he died. And he went to the heavens and he got there and he said, God, why did you take me? I was being very conscious. I was trying to outrun death and I knew I had it conquered if I could just sit still in the middle of the ocean. And God said, well, if you would have continued to meditate, I could not have taken you. Mm. And I told my friend this story and she began to meditate daily. And she went back to the doctors. The doctors called her and they said, we don't know where the tumor went. We can't figure it out. It's completely gone. And the doctors are in amazement. And they had told her before that it was 80% cancerous. And she was just terrified. So that's that blend of the spirituality and the clinical. And so often I see that experience in my practice, which is very humbling. That's amazing. Oh my God. Thanks for sharing that story. It's so powerful. And it like touches on so many different avenues that I think embody mental health, and just living consciously in the world. What would you say are the most common mental health issues that you've encountered or have had to deal with yourself? In terms of people that come to me? Correct. Yeah, I think I was just thinking about that. And uh, there are a lot of different populations. And if I look at it again on a very high level, I think we all are, from a depth psychological perspective, if we get on a soul level, it's like coming into harmony with that soul. And I think when one is not on purpose and not in alignment with self, all kind of different ailments come about. Depression, anxiety, I think even schizophrenia from a Jungian perspective, mm -hmm. where from a perspective of Jungian psychology, the psychotic... Uh, is usually a very sensitive, very enlightened, very elevated being, but they're here trying to balance that out with a very rigid, practical way of being in the world. And thus they go to the extreme opposite to try to bring a balance. Hmm. And sometimes we can bring them back and sometimes we can't. So I'm giving a very sort of non-clinical answer in terms of like, I think we all are here for a purpose. So when I find that people are not on purpose, 
depression comes where you're pressing the self down. Anxiety comes because you you just can't quite find your way and you and, and you're just nervous and you're fearful and you substance abuse. That's you know, people things have happened that have darkened their soul. Consequently, they will resort to, you know, substances to try to come back into harmony. So if I just boil it down to anything, I think it's really about being at one with yourself and getting on purpose. And so consequently, individuals will seek out a therapist who, from my perspective, is to be that spiritual teacher of the West to help them come into oneness with themselves. That's so powerful because um, the way you describe it is much more expansive. You know, I was reading recently that even um, insomnia and sleep disorders are considered a part of the range of mental health issues, which for whatever reason didn't occur to me. But of course it is because, right, if you are out of alignment with yourself, then you're unable to sleep. And then obviously if you're, you know, only sleeping an hour or two a night, then that's going to have the impact on your day-to-day life that unfolds as people have, you know, sleep challenges. And I also love that it invites in this willingness to look at, and for everyone to ask themselves the question, what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. Am I living in alignment with my truth, whatever Mm -hmm. that is? And that's something everybody needs to ask themselves, right? Yes. And none of us have parents that want to do ill will to their children. Although we do have parents sometimes that have not worked on their own issues and unconsciously passed them on to their children. But I know one thing that happens often in the best of families is that the parents do not relate wholeheartedly to the individual call of the soul of their child. I just saw a lady just last week who is in the scientific arena into the medical field and miserable. Although she, you know, enjoys helping individuals, she has this real strong artistic bent. And she was guided when she was young that that would make any money. And what do you think about that? You can't paint and all that's not going to. Yet it's calling a great dichotomy in her being. And she's not just depressed. She's depressed and just really worn because she's been guided away from her calling. Hmm. I've never had a job. (laughs) I've never had a job. I've had work in my life. I've had a lot of work. Like Hmm. I was a dancer, teacher, choreographer. That's a career that I had that is is nothing uh, practical about it. I was a yoga instructor where I made a living teaching yoga way before it's it's like a fad now from my perspective. But I made a living way back in the 80s teaching yoga. I'm making a living now as a therapist. None of that is a job. It's a calling. Hmm. It's a career. It's it sits I sit in my heart and go like, I don't have any desire to dance anymore. You know, not like on the stage and stuff. Plus I can't do that like I used to do it anyway, anyway. But I don't even have the desire to teach yoga. And I'm a rather masterful yoga teacher. But to be a therapist, it calls me right now. Well, and the timing couldn't be better because we sure do need it for at least the last few decades. I have said that 
everyone on this planet would benefit from a little bit of therapy because nobody comes with an instruction manual and mm-hmm. we don't know like the questions that we could or should be asking ourselves early on that would help create a foundation for a conscious and sustainable life. Nobody teaches you that. I think the most integral or important intervention that a therapist can utilize is to accurately reflect their clients. I just get a thrill out of that when, because I always give it back to the client, say, well, I'm sensing or I hear or I feel or is this what I'm hearing? And for them to say it resonates or it doesn't gives me the greatest joy. Then that meant I connected with my client. You can go to some therapists and, you know, all kinds of places and people don't get you. It's nothing more therapeutic than when your therapist gets you. Mm. I, I get a lot of clients where they go, I've been to certain therapists and they didn't get me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the best intervention that I can employ. And when it's used effectively is to accurately reflect your client. I love how you give us a, a much broader definition of what your space entails. Generally, what we do see is a rather traditional and orthodox outlook. Um, I'm very curious as to what you would think of you as noticing the signs of an onset of mental health challenges. How do you identify them? Well, I mean, of course, there are, you know, the concrete signs of depression in, you know, eating habits changing, lack of motivation, becoming tearful, listlessness. That's sort of a through line, sort of a loss of purpose. Most of the people that come in are like, they don't know what to do next. What is happening right now is not working in my life. Or I'm acting out in ways. I'm gambling. I'm I'm staying home. You know, so it's always some type of disconnect from the self. And when people come in, they say, I don't know what I want to do or what is happening now. It's not working. I always point them to the fact you're asking the wrong question. The question is not what I should do. The question is, who am I? And if you get into understanding who you are in terms of your essence, your gifts, your your passions, what you want to do, then you will know what to do. What it is that you are to do will flow through you and it will be done. That's why I say I've never had a job. <laughs> I've always had a calling. Like Martha Graham, one of the uh, original creators of modern dance in America, she says, if a dancer doesn't dance, they die. Mm. So I guess I'm getting back to that whole thing. A, a person always feels like something is not right in their life. They're not happy in their marriage. They're not happy in their job. They're Wherever they are right now, it's not working. They see it getting out of out of whack some kind of way, either through their concrete behaviors or their mentality is not serving them anymore or the emotions are going awry. I think that's a good opportunity to touch on the top five most common mental health challenges. Obviously, depression, and I don't know what the latest statistics are, but I remember back in the day, it was like one in five, I think, and it's probably higher now. Um, People experience depression at some point in their lives, anxiety, 
uh, bipolar affective disorder, um, sleep disorders, which I didn't realize were categorized here, um, OCD. Um, and these affect all of us and our friends, our family, and yet people kind of hide when they have these things. And there's so much shame. And at least for me in my own personal experience, it was decades of shame. Um, And the people, some of them, the closest people to me did not know that I was struggling for decades. And the other thing I wanted to say is I love how you describe this suppression, because that was another thing that I also came to my own awareness of is like, rather than being depressed, I used to feel suppressed. Mm -hmm. Like I was, like I had pushed down all the things that needed to come out, whether that was anger, frustration, sadness, joy, even, but like, like I was not allowing myself to be myself. And it wasn't until I got to a place and had great great therapists helped me process the stuff that needed to be processed and move on. With the unfortunate climate that we are currently in regarding COVID-19 and how it's affected the entire world and more so uh, people depending on who they are, where they are from, were you to have a patient, what do you tell them and what do you think they should do well, this is a horrible time. It's so interesting. I um, work with an astrologer occasionally. And so I just wanted to know, I said, what is going on in the heavens? You know, And it's so interesting. This astrologer said the same astrological configuration that we have now is the same astrological configuration we had through World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War. Uh, the AIDS crisis, the housing market crash. Hmm. So here we are again to where Saturn is in conjunction with Pluto. Pluto's the planet of darkness. It also rules over viruses, Pluto does. And Saturn is the structure, is the governmental being, is the structure of society. And so here these two are in conjunction where darkness is in conjunction with the structure. So we're going to come out of this differently. And so while people are going through this, this is very trying. This is is frightening, is is anxiety-ridden, is grief-inducing. Yet at the same time, I think the call of us as therapists is to help our clients be reflective. I think it's very frightening for the entire world because we're trying to get control over something here that is spreading widely. And from my perspective, anything that's unseen, that's intangible, that's unknown is God. Hmm. So we have not come to the deepened, heightened awareness that this is God trying to get our attention. So for me, often I sit into the spirituality of the coronavirus. What is really the message that's trying to get across to us? So the people, my clients had come in, I just deepened them into a reflective state of like, how is this personally affecting you? What do you see? What are you feeling? And to deepen them into an understanding of of control, like the only control you have is to come into 
control with that which right now is this virus right now. And I compl- if it's God, it has absolute control right now. So the protection is tried to deepen into what's the message. Of course, I'm listening to the medical professionals of, of isolating, of, of washing our hands, of social distancing. Okay, I'm listening to the experts. I'm not going against that at all. At the same time, I go into my heart and go, what is it here for me? You know, what am I supposed to do? What am I, what is my client supposed to do? Is this a time to start creating inside your home? Is this a time to deepen into your own personal world and, and see what is the call for you right now? Because we're now can't get into the busyness. B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S. <laughs> and this is why businesses, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-E-S, are being impacted. So the structure is going through a major change. And if everything is God, then this is God too. And the D of God stands for death and destruction. We think God is all light and good. No, no. This is part of the life situation too, death and destruction. So we have to see how this is going to regenerate, how we're going to be reborn, how we're going to come to the G of generation. So I just deepen my clients into how is this affecting you? And we work through that. You really get to, I think, the nerve of what this is. And I love that you call it like this is God. And because it seems like there's such an opportunity. And I don't say that with disrespect for the people who are suffering. No, of course not. But there's an incredible opportunity to unlock our true humanity in all of this, in how we treat each other and just civility and reestablishing that. And I think it's, you know, as you suggested, almost like an acknowledgement of the illusion of control and, you know, an invitation to surrender and an invitation to allow. I wanted to try to piggyback on the point that Clotilde just made. I've read a very interesting article um, written this week by uh, someone that I know And he described this moment as a moment of mirroring. You almost have no other option but to look at yourself in a much deeper sense, right? Less distractions, you aren't able to leave your house. So after having watched Netflix for two hours, you have to, at a point in time, face things that you've avoided for so long. And I would love to know, from your own perspective, whether or not, one, you feel the same way, and two, if it has any kind of consequences, mental health-wise, on a human being. Well, believe it or not, I'm rather introvertish, <laughs> as I have a career where I'm in a room with someone usually. I know it's media is getting involved. In a closed door, all about secrecy, you know, confidentiality. So I don't have to dance on a tabletop, you know, or, or really be seen that much. So I love the mandate. I don't love the reason behind the mandate to stay home and to be meditative and to be reflective. I love it. So another thing that's happening is that not only are we being meditative and reflective, the technology is being heightened. So it's like these two are going hand in hand where 
You have to be reflective about who am I, what is calling me right now. And this technology is becoming more and more important. It's like theater, which I just love. How is that going to work in the future? Mass gatherings, musical concerts. You know, I've heard on the news already to where there will be no spectators at these major, you know, sports activities. You know, so I'm saying personally, I'm enjoying the mandate to be quiet and reflective. <laughs> I am. Amen to that. I just want to ask one last question regarding the, the climate vis-a-vis what you do for a living. Where do you see us and how do you think we'll be a year from now, two years from now? Well, that's very interesting. It's like they're saying the virus isn't going anywhere. Well, flu hasn't gone anywhere either. And uh, AIDS hasn't gone anywhere either. You know, hmm. blue flonic plague left us. SARS didn't get us too hard. Ebola didn't get us too bad. But seemingly this coronavirus is going to be around. So if we think about the AIDS epidemic, It shifted our psyche and our way of being in the world where all of a sudden safe sex came into play. We never thought of that in the 70s. We were like jumping up and down and whatever. <laughs> I'm saying the AIDS epidemic brought in safe sex. Now we're deepening even more now into safer at home. So we are brought more and more into an individualism, a relationship with self, awareness of the other. Are they safe? You know, it's something about safety. I think we're going to be more on the alert. We have to be on the alert about who we have sex with. Now we got to be on the alert with who we even interact with. I hear that loud and clear, that safety message, and it never came through so clear as the way you framed it now, like particularly on the heels of AIDS. At the same time, it seems as important, it, like connection and the need yeah. for and the importance of human connection also seems to be elevated and more important than ever before. Yes. I think we got to go in before we can go back out. So in other words, we got to get reflective and tune in to where to go, who I am, what to do before we go back out in like mass, you know, sort of flippant kind of way. Mm -hmm. So I think we will go back out there more consciously. I think we will go back out there only when we really need to go. I think a lot of things are going to disappear. I think we're going to have to start finding joy within ourselves. Uh, I think relationships could actually become better when you start having a better relationship with yourself. You start falling in love with you, then you're going to be able to fall in love with another person who's just as conscious as you because you have worked on your consciousness. So I think this may be a way to become a more conscious society because the, the structure is changing and things that the universe is deeming we don't need are going to be taken away in terms of businesses, concepts. It's changing. And the way to get out of the destruction of it is to get into the flow with it and realize, okay, what is the message here? So I think I, it's going to be a conscious world. That's what I'm, I guess I'm saying. I love it. 
so many messages and so yeah. little time. I am just so grateful for every single pearl of wisdom that you have shared with us. And just your presence is extraordinary. So thank you for sharing. It's just a pleasure to have you on, uh, especially because I've launched a company quite recently and the crowd that I'm surrounded in is again, quite traditional. And having you be able to come and join us, is a, it's so good to be surrounded by that kind of uh, energy. So Today, I think I've been quite exposed to a much bigger degree of humanity through you. So thank you for that. Thank you. This is, you have to come back. Will you please come back? Will you please come back? <laughs> okay, sure. Yes, I pleasure. I realize if I don't do the work, they'll take me off the planet. <laughs>